Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice, fantasy picks to click and flick, the latest NFL news, and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is October 23rd. This is entering week eight of the NFL season. Oh, my gosh, we're almost at the midway point. My name is Michael Nazarak, and I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web, of course, at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my usual co-host, and good friend, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Thank you. Uh, man, week eight's halfway through the, the NFL season, but it's you know two-thirds of the way through most fantasy regular seasons, so it's getting to be the stretch drive right now. Yeah, it is certainly the stretch drive. Most uh, Mostly it's go 13 or 14 weeks. Those of you that are playing in the main event in the FFPC Fantasy Football Players Championship, we've got four weeks left, people. It only goes 11 weeks and in the playoffs begin week 12 and 13, and then with the home stretch, the big race to the big prize, $250,000. Uh, boy, what a week for a lot of injuries, uh, devastating running back injuries, uh, both guys that didn't play or actually one got hurt and the other guy didn't play over in London. Really killed my fantasy team in the FFPC, but, you know, it is what it is. You've got to you know, pick up your bridges and move on and do what you can do. Anyway, let's get right to the big news and notes. And uh, the news that hit on Monday, did you find this a surprise, Chris, the fact that the Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper? No, I really didn't. It's, first of all, it's the kind of move that Jerry Jones is prone to making, you know, so that didn't surprise me one bit. And it's been painfully obvious, you know, to everybody that they needed a, a number one type wide receiver. Now, whether that's Amari Cooper or not, you could debate, but I, I think it's it's not a surprise at all. In fact, the surprise to me is that they were willing to pay a first-round draft choice for him because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. that generally has been more than guys of his position and of his talent have, have garnered in trade. So I know there were several other teams that made offers. Philadelphia offered a second-round pick. Indianapolis was supposedly uh, in negotiations as well, but they just weren't going to give up a first-round pick for, for even a young guy like Amari Cooper. Yeah, he's only 24, so... Uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of a lot of youth, uh, a lot of time on the side. But the bottom line is, he's such an inconsistent receiver. Sometimes he gives up on routes, uh, looks disinterested. Other times, he looks like well, you know, a top five receiver in the league. And the issue is, what are you going to get? That's you're going to get, you know, the hardworking Amari Cooper part of the time, and you're going to get the the, the the disinterested Cooper. Some of the time, I, you know, hopefully uh, he can be motivated there in Dallas at the fact that they wanted him. Uh, he should realize that, uh, you know, his stock around the league is fluctuating and a lot of teams don't really care for that type of receiver. But, you know, definitely I think he was an upgrade from what they've got there. Uh, Michael Gallup showed a little bit of uh, potential and, and promise with his 
sweet uh, 49-yard touchdown catch, and they played him more snaps than he had ever played, uh, 59 snaps in the game, ran 29 routes, caught three passes, 81 yards. So maybe he can become a decent number two to to uh, Mr. Cooper. So for fantasy, I think, and I think he's ideally this, uh, suited to a good number two with a good man with the, with a guy who's going to draw attention across the the field from him. I think he's actually going to flourish, and this will really help his development as an NFL receiver by being the number two instead of having to gradually work his way into being the number one on a weak receiving crew. Yeah. So what, do you, what, what, what does this mean for the rest of the crew there in Dallas? Uh, Cole Beasley's the slot man, but what about Alan Hearns? I mean, what, uh, what, what happens here? Do you think uh, is, is Cooper going to be a number two, or do you think he's going to graduate to a number one, or is he number three inconsistent? Do you, if you own Cooper, do you start him next week when they come back from their bye? I don't know if you, if you start him that quick. I know we've talked about this before. When guys have changed teams or come back from injuries, you want to kind of wait a week and see what happens. You might miss one good one, but – you know, especially going to a new team and then learning a new, the new terminology and stuff. I'd wait a week, but I do think he's going to eventually slot in as their number one. Um, now, what that means from a fantasy perspective, I think probably with that offense, it's going to be run-centered. He's going to be, at best, a fantasy number two. Um, but, but hopefully, if he can develop that consistency, which you said he's been lacking, that'll be the big thing. I think the big fantasy impact is that this is going to keep them from being able to put eight guys in the box and they're going to be able to run Ezekiel Elliott like they want, and that's going to really make his fantasy stock go through the roof. Yeah, well, Zeke was stuffed this past weekend and, uh, you know, did, didn't even score 10 points PPR for his fantasy owners. I'm one of them. So <laughs> I'm anything that opens up the running game is good. Let's take a look at this from the Oakland uh, side. Obviously they get a, a first-round draft pick, but now they don't have Cooper You've got Jordy Nelson over there, and you've got Martavis Bryant, the deep threat. You've got Seth Robertson and a whole bunch of other guys. What, uh, what, what is the value with these guys? What do you think? Well, I mean, obviously Martavis Bryant is going to step into a starting role, and, you know, is he going to get all the routes that, that Cooper had? You know, probably not. I think probably Nelson's going to get more targets, and Jared Cook's going to get more targets. They also now have a primary running back, and Doug Martin, who is a, more of a pass receiver than Marshawn Lynch was. So those, I think the passes will be distributed throughout all those guys, so I don't think Bryant's going to step into a huge role, but he will step into a starting role. And you, I'm pretty sure that Gruden is going to want to make sure that he looks like he made the right choice because he's making all these questionable, controversial trades of stars. And he, remember, he traded to get the suspended or suspendable Martavis Bryant. So I think he's going to he's trying to put his stamp on this and he's going to try and make sure he looks like he's right. Yeah, I'm not sure he is yet, but uh that I think that's what's going to happen is they're going to distribute all those passes amongst all those guys. You think that Seth Roberts has any kind of fantasy value at all or is is that a no-go? No. No, I I just don't think that 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 offense is pro proficient enough or prolific enough passing the ball to support you know, really four receiving options because Nelson is the clear number one. Jared Cook's really the clear number two. Bryant's going to get some deep shots and and maybe develop in in time. So so you're looking at a fourth option on a passing offense that really isn't that solid. 
Okay. Before we move to the next uh, subject on the uh, the template that we wrote for the score for the, for the show, it kind of slipped my mind about Marshawn Lynch. You made a good point there. The fact that he's got a core muscle injury and now he's been placed on IR, so he's gone for at least eight weeks, which would put him out till week 16. And I doubt that they're going to bring him back for two meaningless games because this this team's out of the playoff hunt. So Doug Martin's going to start. Fantasy impact there. Doug Martin is he a number two or number three, a flex option, and and is Jalen Richard more valuable than Doug Martin? What do you think? Uh, in a PPR, I would say they're equally valuable just because, I mean, we, we saw what the distribution of, of snaps and targets were and everything when, when Lynch was in there. I'm going to assume the muscle hamster is going to be in, used in much the same way, maybe not as efficiently as, and as powerfully as Lynch. So I, I think Richard's still great in a PPR. Just his, his value does not change one bit. And Martin probably slides in slightly below where Lynch was before because I want to see it, especially on the goal line, before I buy it. So that probably makes him a number three or a flex based on Lynch being a, a low number two most of the year so far. Okay. So let's move on over to uh, another uh, injury, of course. Uh, before I get to the guy that I wrote down here that we're going to talk about, uh, of course everyone had a big disappointment. You got Melvin Gordon on your team performing almost up to, to Todd Gurley's standards. Uh, you know, he had a, a, a hamstring issue uh, crop up on, on practice on Friday over there in London. Uh, wasn't listed on the injury report, downgraded to questionable. Woke up Sunday, uh, tried to run out on the field in his shorts and sweats and didn't look good, was kind of upset, and they decided to go ahead and hold him out, and Eckler started the game. The good news for the Chargers is that it looks like they just held him out for, as a precaution. Uh, you know, they made the flight back. They got a bye this week, so he could sit for a full week and rest up and, uh, you know, just like me and everyone else here that owns uh, Gordon, of course we own him in Fanex. Uh, we're hoping to gosh he's, he plays here in two weeks, and we'll see. The other uh, running back, that uh, big injury that happened, uh, got off to a good start, a Patriot uh, against the Bears. Sony Michelle wrenched that knee that he's had issues with, uh, had, had an injury in, in collagen, um, and it looks like uh, that there was fortunately no structural damage. Uh, the Patriots are being very tight-lipped about the situation, calling him week to week. So I would guess he's probably going to miss anywhere from two to three weeks on this, uh, if not more. But um, if you've got uh, Sonny Michelle, uh, Kenyon Barner is the replacement fill-in there. Of course, James White's the pass-catching back. Is Kenyon Barner worth picking up, and uh, what, what do you think? What is that all you can do? I think he's worth picking up. And, again, he and Doug Martin are probably the only guys out there that are, are fantasy startable that are going to be on the waiver wire more than likely. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think you got to go get them unless you've got, you know, a pretty loaded backfield on your fantasy roster. The, the big thing is, you know, really what is, what is it going to mean going forward and how long is he going to be out? I think Kenyon Barner is a very short-term fix, um, both for the Patriots and for your fantasy team, because if Michelle is going to be out any length of time, I think they're going to go for a more powerful, more traditional early down back, and the first guy that comes to mind is Mike Gillisley, who's been on their roster, who's still out there and, and not on a team right now. I think they're more likely, if it's going to be a long-term thing, to go bring in Gillisley and use him in, a, in an early down role than to put a substantial amount of, of workload on the relatively diminutive Kenyon Barner. Do you think that there's any chance that the Patriots say they realize that maybe Michelle's going to be out five or six weeks instead of two or three, that they would actually trade for a running back here? The trade deadline's next Tuesday. I don't think so because I think they consider their running backs somewhat interchangeable and in, in, in a committee. I think that the signing of a guy like Gillisley is is infinitely more likely than than making a trade for a guy unless they could get a guy you know dirt cheap that's on somebody's bench that they're familiar with you know. 
I don't think the Lions would ever trade LeGarrette Blunt. But, you know, if they could get a guy like Blunt that, that they could slide in right where he was before, they might. But I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think he would be a great fit, but I think Detroit's loving it because every time they put him in the game near the goal, he scores, and that's what they signed him for. Moving on over real quickly to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, thought he might come back this week. No, he's not coming back. Uh, he's out the rest of the week here. Uh, the trade deadline is next Tuesday. There's talk now that he's going to wait until after the trade deadline and then show up immediately because he doesn't want to get traded, and he, but he wants to make as much money as he possibly can. Fantasy impact. Has this changed at all? Do you, if you have Connor, do you still uh, shop him to the Bell owner? If you own both, you hold them. If you own just Bell, do you do, you, do a trade? maybe try to do a dirt cheap trade uh, to get Connor for one week? Is that is that still the deal? I, I, I think it, nothing's really changed except that the longer he is holding out, the greater the likelihood of when he comes back, he will not play a huge role the first week because the longer he's out – the more they're going to be cautious about easing him in. So I think the team will be cautious. Yeah. But the second thing is that the longer he's out, no matter how great a shape he's in, it increases the likelihood of him, him having a soft tissue injury, a sprain, a strain, yep. a, a pull quad or something. So I think you run more – a little. the risk gets just a little bit higher uh, going out. But it, like you said, he'll come back after the trade deadline, but sometime in that week because then it will be week 10 after that and he'll lose his year of accrued – service towards free agency and there's no way in hell he's going to do that yeah he's he's got to be coming back I, w- I would say it's almost a slam dunk he's going to show up at 401 p.m eastern time next tuesday <laughs> on the on the at the headquarters to sign sign his uh contract there uh moving on over to the jets boy they one injury after another wide receiver position uh they they had it looked like jermaine curse was going to fill the role for a Nunwood last year for one game, and then he he just didn't do anything last week. Well, the Jets just signed Rashard Matthews, who thought he wasn't going to get another a bite this this year because a lot of people didn't believe him or because he had attitude problems. But you got a Jets team that just doesn't have bodies at the wide receiver position. They cut Terrell Pryor because they couldn't hold on to him. They needed a body. He's getting healthy, but you know he might not uh, be available for another week. Uh, they, they got Rashard Matthews now. Do you do you plug and play with Rashard Matthews? Uh, Chris, or, or is he uh, wait and see here? Is he worth picking up for fantasy? Uh, my gut feeling is no. Um, there's a reason that a team that didn't have a great receiving crew let him go in Tennessee. So mm-hmm. I, I, there, there's got to be a reason. But he is a nice fit for what the Jets need, a veteran guy who can come in and, and be serviceable right away. Like you said, they're missing a lot of bodies. And besides the fact that Jets need him, their division rival, the Miami Dolphins, are also in the same boat. They lost a bunch of receivers this week. So I think a little bit of this was to fill bodies on their roster and a little bit was a defensive maneuver to keep the Dolphins from signing him as well. Yeah, yeah that's a good point to make. Uh, one kicker note before I get to the injury list here. The Raiders, uh, they cut Matt McCrane. I believe he missed a kick, one of the kick over in London a couple of weeks ago. And they signed Daniel Carlson, the heralded rookie that was drafted in the fifth round for the Vikings, who had a massive meltdown and missed, what, three kicks and maybe an extra point in a, in a game in the second or third game of the season there. I think it was a Packer game, one of game two. And he's been yeah. uh, sitting on the sidelines. Well, he's going to get another shot to kick uh, for the Raiders, and we'll see if he can improve on his lousy percentage. Uh, so, in other words, people, uh, I, I would just avoid him because, the, you know, Oakland, who knows what they're going to do offensively. But, anyway, don't start so Matt McCrane. Also, He's no longer. It also looks like it might be a defensive maneuver as well. Remember, they're playing the Colts this week, who also have a veteran kicker they're going to need to replace for one week. So they just took one more off the market. 
That's right. That's that's a good point to me. Let's jump right to it. Anna Vinciari's got a groin injury and is very, very uncertain to play this week. Uh, they had uh, Cairo Santos and two other kickers come in. Uh, maybe Santos might be the favorite. They're kind of waiting. Aren't they waiting to see if uh, if Vinny uh, can uh, can kick this week in the practice a little bit? Yeah, that's what they're going to basically let Vinatieri make the call and let him know if he's going to be functional because they don't want to have to clear a roster spot on a team that's already shy on depth and having a lot of injuries on the back end of their defense especially. So they're going to let Vinny make the call, and if they don't have to sign anybody, they won't. But they've, they've made their short list, and they probably made their selection and told the guy to keep his cell phone handy in case they need him on Thursday. <laughs> okay. We're going to do an abbreviated uh, injury list here. Brian Tannehill, of course, with the throwing shoulders out. Uh, uh, for this Thursday night game, and it's going to be Brock Osweiler again. Uh, Josh Rosen with the toe. Uh, he sat on Monday. Josh Allen's out, of course, for the Bills. Uh, it's going to be Derek Anderson once again. Uh, we're still uncertain about Dalvin Cook. Check later in the week. Leonard Fournette doesn't look like he's going to play this week. Uh, Royce Freeman probably not going to play. Matt Breider's the guy to keep your eye on. Uh, ankle injury there. Uh, Bilal Powell with the neck up in the air there. Chris Thompson, the rib and knee with the Washington. That's also up in the air. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, I, I kind of doubt it that we'd see. It's a concussion. Usually these things last at least a week. Uh, Cooper Cup with the knee there, kind of 50-50. Let's see if he practices some this week. He might actually be able to come back this week. If not this week, looks like he's good to go next week. Good news in Green Bay, both Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb return to practice today, coming off hamstring injuries in their bye. Uh, in fact, the only guy that didn't practice today was Aaron Rodgers, just kind of going to rehab with the knee. He hopes to get the brace off. We'll see later this week. Kiki Tutti with a hamstring. on. Uh, did, did, he was limited to practice today. doesn't expect to play on Thursday. We'll see when the inactives come out on Thursday night. Uh, Kenny Stills, like you said, is out with a groin, uh, and Albert Wilson with a hip was placed on IR, so it's Danny Amendola and Devontae Parker is going to play on Thursday night. It's going to be interesting there. Quincy, and, and also, Jakeem uh, Grant is uh, the other receiver there. Uh, Quincy and I already mentioned he's out another two or three weeks with an ankle. Uh, Jamison Crowder uh, also with an ankle up in the air there. Phil Paul Richardson, uh, his running mate there, shoulder up in the air. And uh, tight end Rob Gronkowski with the ankle and back, mostly the back, uh, flared up. He couldn't play this past week. They hope to have him this week. Ricky Seals-Jones had a forearm injury uh, last Thursday up in the air there. We'll see what happens, and we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim redrafter, dynasty, keeper, auction, salary cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, please check out our website. Uh, NFL Quick Bits is one of the oldest news-oriented NFL uh, pages on the web. Uh, all of it's free there. Uh, we will be discounting our uh, uh, weekly newsletters once again. Our mid-season sales coming up probably in the next couple of days, so I don't want to throw out a price. It, it, it is currently on Tuesday night, 1995. It's going to be uh, significantly less than that probably by this Friday. And please follow me on Twitter at FFMastermind. Let's get to write this week's Picks to Click and Flick. Give me a couple of quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. 
Well, Baker Mayfield's making my list for the second week in a row. It's another game with a high ceiling potential. I mean, the Steelers have shown some signs of improvements of late, but they've still allowed over 300 yards per game and two and a half touchdowns per game to opposing quarterbacks so far. Really tough on the run. They're going to kind of force them to throw. And even if the Steelers route the Browns, that's going to put Mayfield in garbage throw mode all game. So I, I like his chance to have another solid fantasy week. And I kind of like Eli Manning this week. I know that sounds crazy, but you know, the Redskins have given up a really high completion percentage, and they're way better versus the run. So that kind of plays into forcing the Giants' hands into their short passing offense. He's coming off a big fantasy week, and Eli is very quietly averaging 295 yards per game this year. Got a decent history against the Skins as well, especially at home. He's top 250 yards and two scores, three of his last four at home against Washington, and he's never had a bad game with with Odell on the field against the Redskins. Yeah, Eli, uh, first of all, the Giants said that they're not going to bench him, even though they're 1-6 and six right now. Uh, they're going to keep playing him. Uh, I think probably this might be the last year that he's starting for them. I, you know, I'm, I love the guy because I'm a big Giants fan and all, but he's on pace to be stacked 55 times in the season, and it's crazy amount. Uh, he's never he's never been uh, that sacked that many times before, and it's just the offensive line issue there. He just can't doesn't have enough time. He's, he's just checking down and getting what he can. And with a couple of quarterbacks I like this week, Kirk Cousins, Minnesota. Uh, he's going to take it up a notch at home against the Saints. He's uh, been very mediocre the last three weeks. I think this is just another another big game, a la uh, the Rams that that game there. I think he's going to have a big game. Uh, Andrew Luck, uh, your your boy there in Indianapolis. The Raiders have given up ten. TD passes in their last four games. I think Andrew's going to throw at least two, if not three, in this game. So if you got him, start him. Uh, a couple of guys I'm worried about this week. Cam Newton's, I guess, my caution play. Uh, the Ravens come into town. Uh, it is a home game for Cam. And of course, he is going to run, uh, but it's not going to make easy on him. So, you know, you're probably going to end up starting him unless you have somebody like Cam Newton as your other quarterback. I mean, uh, as somebody like Tom Brady as your uh, the quarterback, but if, if if Cam Newton's your solid number one, you're probably going to start him and just kind of cross your fingers and temper your expectations there a little bit. And Brock Osweiler, Miami, the Texans uh, are going to be uh, rough on him. They're going into Houston. He's he's losing uh, Kenny Stills and and uh, Albert Wilson. Uh, it just just doesn't look good. I, I would not trust uh, Brock to keep that uh, that pace, that average, that two two week average of about 25. 26 points. I think he's going to be more like 18, 15 at most this week, so be careful there. A couple of quarterbacks you're not crazy about and why, Chris? You shouldn't think you'd have to tell anyone that Brock Osweiler is a flick any week, but uh, I'm going to start with a couple yeah. of caution <laughs> plays. Uh, two caution plays. One, Matt Stafford. The Seahawks have only allowed three passing scores in the last four games total. They're well-rested coming off the bye. Stafford, on the other hand, has been way more productive on the road this year, about 50 yards a game and one touchdown more. And he's got a newfound running game, so I think they're going to use that a lot against the Seahawks' soft front seven. And then I think Carson Wentz in the game in London. Uh, the Jags, despite their team struggles, have allowed under 200 passing yards in four of their last five games. They've only allowed a league-low six passing scores all year. London games, like we always say, they're known for being run fests, so I'd be cautious of high expectations for Wentz, even though he's got a high-volume game going. Okay, a couple of running backs you like and why. I'll start with Philip Lindsay. With the injury to Royce Freeman, Lindsay moves from a solid running back number two into flirting with the, the number one running back range, especially against the Chiefs. Denver should use him often against the KC run defense that is very suspect and is particularly susceptible to receiving backs and speedier backs like him. So he has a real chance to have a really big day. And then we mentioned him earlier, I like Doug Martin this week. What, you know, one less passing threat on the field and a new chance to show what he can do. I do think the muscle hamster is going to dominate the carries for Oakland, and they're going to attack a Colts run defense that is predicated on bend but don't break. 
They certainly look to bend quite a bit the last few weeks with five straight 80-plus yard weeks that they've allowed to running back. So I wonder if he's going to get in the end zone, but I think he should get some good yardage. Yeah, uh, when uh, Chris Ivory runs 80-plus uh, yards on you as a backup coming in for uh, injured McCoy, <laughs> you've got issues there. A couple of uh, running backs that I like this week. Chris Carson, my, Seattle, like you say, coming off that bye. The Lions are vulnerable against the run. I think Carson runs for 100 in this game and, and has a good shot at a score. And Joe Mixon uh, coming off a uh, very mediocre to poor game. Uh, I think Cincinnati rebounds at home against the uh, very beatable uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, obviously, you're going to start Joe, and I think he has a good chance to put up 20-plus points in this game in a PPR system. A couple of guys I'm worried about this week, uh, Nick Chubb with Cleveland. The Steelers are very good against the run, and then Chubb did not then involved in the passing game, failed to catch either of his targets last week. I'll be careful there. And also Aaron Jones with Green Bay. The Rams, I think, are going to shut him down, and the fact that he plays in an RBBC there with uh, Jamal Williams and Todd Montgomery does him no favor. So I'd be worried about starting him this week. Give me a couple of running backs you're not crazy about, and why, Chris? Uh, Latavius Murray. I know we've had a good couple of weeks, but I, I was shocked when I looked at these numbers. The Saints have allowed by far the fewest rushing yards in the NFL. No team's running backs have totaled more than 70 yards in a game, and they've been under 50 in each of the last four games. So they've also only allowed three rushing scores, and Murray's a bit touchdown dependent. So you know, then you add into that if Dalvin Cook actually makes an appearance, it's going to cut further into an already small pie. I just don't see a reason to start Murray this week. Uh, then uh, Alex Collins, he's been really doing much better recently, but the Panthers have been really solid all year against the run, particularly good at home. They've only allowed a measly two rushing touchdowns or running back so far. And Collins, even though he's been getting better, has not topped 68 rushing yards yet this year. And he's underwhelmed despite facing a lot of subpar run defenses, way less than the Panthers. So I, I just don't see him having a big day. Okay, a couple of wide receivers you like and why. I like the old man, Demarius Thomas. Uh, bigger wide receivers have given the Chiefs more trouble, especially in the red zone so far this year. And the Broncos are openly shopping Demarius Thomas, so it wouldn't be a shock to see him feature just a bit more in the pass game against a team that's a good matchup for him. Just got a hunch he scores and has a decent day. And then, again, another guy I mentioned earlier, Martavis Bryant. He's played the Colts twice in his career, and he has three touchdowns and over 100 yards a game. So he moves into the starting lineup this week, gets that Weak Colts pass defense, susceptible to the big play, and it's a bit undersized and slow. He should have some advantages. And like I said earlier, Gruden wants to show he made the right moves in trading for Bryant and trading Cooper away. Yep. Okay, a couple wide receivers I like since I like Kirk Cousins, and of course we always love Adam Thielen. I think Stefan Diggs get off the schneid this week against the Saints. I think he's going to score in this game. Obviously he's getting a lot of passes thrown his way. So uh, I stick with him if you got him. Jarvis Landry, Cleveland, uh, had a couple of bad games there. Uh, rebounded nicely last week. I think he keeps it going against the Steelers. Like I said, Steelers are tough against the run. Cleveland's going to have to pass. This should be a plus game for Baker Mayfield, and Jarvis Landry is his number one there. A couple of wide receivers I'd be very worried about this week. Marvin Jones going on that same theme. Uh, Detroit uh, Seahawks uh, improving secondary. Coming off that bye, uh, Marvin Jones is number three in the pecking order behind both Tate and Galladay. That equals fantasy bench, bench unless you absolutely have to start him this week. And Nelson Aguilar, uh, the guy is a real talent and a good slot receiver. He's just not getting enough chances, and when he does, they're right at the line of scrimmage. He's not getting anywhere, going anywhere with him. He's making the least amount of his catches, so I'd be really worried about Nelson Aguilar this week. A couple wide receivers not crazy about why, Chris? You know, you mentioned all, there's a lot of good reasons to like Stephon Diggs this week, you know, with that secondary. But I want to look at some history. I actually put him on my flick list. He's only averaging okay. seven targets a game at home and 
14 targets a game on the road so far this year. He's not top 65 yards a game at home since September of last year. In his last six home games, he only has 220 total passing yards. So he just doesn't wow. seem to do it at home, and, and I'm just a little worried they're going to put Lattimore on him because they've been putting the top corner on him, even though Thielen's been going nuts. So he's a caution play, but like you said, he's probably a must-start for you. And another caution play is DeAndre Hopkins. He's had a couple of down games with Watson Ding, and this week he gets a tough assignment also with Avian Howard, who shut down a lot of wide receiver number ones while opposing quarterbacks target the other corner a lot. So I just want to temper expectations for this matchup-proof stud who's absolutely still in your lineup. Okay, that's interesting news about Diggs. Did not know that. Uh, that's one of the reasons why you're on the show. <laughs> you know, anyway, another thing, uh, he's only gone over 100 yards at home three times in his entire career. That's amazing. <laughs> so that that is amazing. That is a that's an amazing fact. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, a couple of tight ends you like and why, Chris? The all initial crew this week. I like C.J. Uzoma to start with. Third straight defense. Third straight game against the defense in the bottom five defending the tight ends. The Bucks have allowed a touchdown or 150 yards of the tight end in five straight games. Ludicrous. And then the other initial guy, O.J. Howard, he's a likely must-start, but he also faces a team that's been gashed by the big play to the tight end for several weeks now. Three times they've allowed over 110 yards to tight end so far this year. Howard down the field is going to be a major weapon for the Bucks this week against a banged-up Bengals secondary. Okay. couple – couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, David Njoku has been on a, uh, a climb. He's getting better and doing more each week. He's scored the last couple of weeks. I think he's going to score for the third game in a row this week with uh, Cleveland, like I say, plus matchup uh, for May- Mayfield and Njoku's number two right behind Jarvis Landry there. And Vance McDonald uh, coming off the bye. I think Vance goes a trucking again this week. Is <laughs> his turn to score. So uh, if you got him or you need him, uh, in other words, in the FFPC, I'm probably going to start Vance McDonald over both Nelson Aguilar and Marvin Jones is one of my flex guys this week, and I'm doing it with confidence. A couple of guys I'm not crazy about this week. Michael Roberts got all the press about those two touchdowns he caught and three catches. He's got four catches on the season, people, and three touchdowns. But the problem is, is that he was going against Kiko Alonso and the, and the lost linebacker crew for Miami that seems to lose their, their, uh, their uh, opponents. They can't seem to guard them very well, and uh, this has been going on in, in – in, a problem for the Miami linebackers for the past year and a half. So I think if you you're, you're chasing points, if you grab Mike Michael Roberts and start him, uh, Jordan Reed, uh, the Redskins. Wow, he's not scored. I think uh, what since week one or so. I don't know one touchdown. Uh, the Giants, I think, are going to limit him this week. They're playing the t- the, uh, the defense for very well. Limited uh, Austin Hooper this past Monday night. So I'd be careful about starting Jordan Reed. It's a very thin tight end group, so you might have to start him. If you do, just cross your fingers and hope. I don't think he's going to do much this week. A couple of uh, other tight ends that you don't care for this week, and why, Chris? Uh, caution play, Kyle Rudolph. The Saints just allowed their first tight end touchdown all season last week, but they still have allowed only three catches for 35 yards a game and nothing over 50 yards to the tight end. Lower TD potential and no volume makes him a caution play in most formats. And then Chris Herndon, who's been kind of showing up on the radar, made a bit of a name for himself back-to-back solid weeks, scoring each week about 50 yards each week. And the Jets are low on receivers, but the Bears have allowed the fewest tight end receptions so far, so his PPR value drops and they've only allowed four touchdown passes, so he might be a marginal play in non-PPR leagues. I'm not that excited about him. He's not getting as much play as his stats have shown so far. Okay, time for one-hit wonders at kicker and defense. Hit me with them. 
I'll take Phil Dawson. I'll take a veteran kicker with a new offensive coordinator at home against a team that hemorrhages kicker points. Sounds good to me. And then the guy he replaced, Chandler Catanzaro, who's now in Tampa, he faces a consistently generous Cincinnati team in a probable high-scoring game. A couple of defenses I like. I do like those same Cardinals. Uh, they're, they're hosting San Francisco. Cardinals defense abused them a few weeks ago, and the offense in, for the 49ers has not improved one bit. And then I like Washington traveling to, to the Meadowlands to take on the Giants. That's Like you mentioned earlier, that's a really bad offensive line that's just hemorrhaging sacks. They've allowed uh, among the most sacks, and they're on a short week. So I think Washington's going to get after Eli a bit and force the, the ball out of his hands. Okay. Uh, before we go, I just wanted to uh, give you guys a uh, update here on the FF Webmasters waiver wire that just ran. This is a non-PPR 14-team league. My team's 4-3 and three coming off a tough loss. Uh, I had all my Green Bay wide receivers on a bye, so, uh, you know, the running backs, uh, Mark Ingram and uh, Matt Bright, I got re-injured and didn't didn't come through for me. But it's interesting to see here that I put in for Danny Amendola. Now, this is a non-PPR, but when you're looking at Amendola and Gallup, Gallup's on a bye this week. Amendola's like the only viable wide receiver on the waiver wire. Uh, and I got him, even though I was <laughs> one, three, four, five, six, seventh in line once again. Uh, the Patriots defense was picked up. Jordan Wilkins, for some reason, was picked up. Uh, Josh Rosen, somebody who has a quarterback need. Elijah McGuire speculating there. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles defense was picked up. And, of course, Michael Gallup, uh, you know, was picked up for next week. And Amendola is going to go right into my lineup. Uh, I'm going to be starting uh, both wide receivers of the Packers. that They play, of course, Adams and Geronimo Allison. Uh, along with Amendola here, and a Kenyon Barner was dra- was picked up right after I picked up Amendola. I don't have a need for a running back there, but that's interesting. We were just talking about him, of course, so if people are listening. Anyway, thanks for joining us. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Masarek. We'll see you all next week when we preview week nine of the 2018 NFL season. Goodbye, good night, and good luck to everyone this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.